0: Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Andrea. We're excited to welcome you
1: to the We Should Probably Talk About That podcast. We are so happy to have you here with us, and we can't wait to make it awkward.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the We Should Probably Talk About That podcast. How are you? How are you, Andrea? I'm good. Good? We're good? (laughs) Life is good? got my iced coffee. I got my Diet Coke. My dog is sitting by our feet. Life is good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just move into the episode. Okay. What do you want to talk about?
1: Today we are going to talk about sibling relationships. Dun, dun, du <laughs> I had a Some are
0: good. Some are bad. Some went, are interesting. I went to
1: dinner with my mom last night and she was talking about our podcast. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> She's the loyal listener. I know, right? And I told her what we were recording today and she goes, Ugh, is it going to be one that like people can listen to <laughs> you're like, hell yeah. Everybody like, listens. Yeah. People can listen. She goes like siblings can listen and I can listen. And I'm like, well, if you want, was she to. worried
0: about, offend- <laughs> we were going to offend them, I don't know.
1: She just, she just knows that I,
0: isn't that siblings jobs, Speak my truth to offend each other. Aren't we supposed to train each other to go and face the hard, mm-hmm. harsh, cruel, cold world.
1: is not yeah. our jobs. I mean, I think there's a, something to the, <laughs> there is survival of the fittest in sibling relationships, for sure. it introduces you to the
0: cold, harsh world that's out there.
1: Yeah, and it's also a comfort. It can be a big comfort as well.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, my second brother, he's been a big support through my divorces, and we're super close, and so, yeah. As yeah, much I mean, as we
1: would give each other crap when we were kids, we definitely are better mm-hmm. now. And yeah. even even as kids, yeah. you know, I think, I think back to my relationship when I was a kid with my brother. Because I just have three brothers, no sisters. And then I look at my You're kids. Lucky. No, I'm, <clears> I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't have a sister. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I always wanted a sister so bad. I know. Anyway. But yeah, and I look at my kids who were just... You know, are fighting all the time, and I just feel like, do they love each other, and do they, would they be sad if they were an only child? You know, as moms were like, why is it so hard all the time? It's hard. Yeah, but then like a couple, this, I wasn't even going to tell this, but a couple weeks before school got out, my son, who's a year older than my middle child, he got into a little scuffle on the playground, some kid was picking on him, and he retaliated, and my daughter who's a year younger than him saw him in the hallway right after this happened and was like what is wrong and he told her really quick why he was so flustered and frustrated and she was on her way to her class and she ran down to his class she's in fifth grade he's in sixth grade they both just finished but and she went to the teacher and was like hi you don't know me but I'm his sister and I just saw him and he got hurt and told the teacher the whole story. Yeah and they show up when uh, they uh, have yeah, to Yeah, I know. And the boys ended up getting called to the principal's office and both had to write statements and then the principal called me and told me the whole story and she's like, It sounds like your son was not the instigator, but he did retaliate and we need to be careful about that. And then she's like, I'm not sure why your daughter got involved and I was like She's protecting I will both. I will never yeah. Discipline my child for stepping into a situation for one of their siblings that they weren't involved in. Like, I was so proud of her yeah. for. Yeah. And that's really up. when you
0: see it is when they have each other's backs. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but my kids would legit say to each other, shut up, drink bleach, go die in a corner. Mm-hmm. Like, so mean. Yeah. But then when they really needed to, they would rally around each other. And I remember that with my siblings as well. It was, you know, feast or famine. Flight, fight, or fawn, all of it. Freeze, freeze, fight the hell out of
1: us. (laughs) I I definitely
0: got dead armed a bunch of times. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's good. It's good when they love each other. It's understandable when they fight because I wouldn't pick. I look at my siblings and I'm like, I wouldn't pick any of these people probably to be friends with in real life. No. These are just my forced family
0: yeah and they're really the only ones who know truly what you've been through to an extent right I mean I joke that you're lucky you didn't have a sister and I I do that kind of tongue-in-cheek because I love my sister she lives uh in Florida now she's actually moving out of the country soon but we've never been super duper close Mm -hmm. I mean as little kids we were but I then found out, I think I have shared this and if I have, forgive me, but I found out that my mother, who I've expressed as a narcissist, would pit us against each other and mm-hmm. say, you're not like your sister. Everything comes easy for your sister. And I being the sister, it's like, well, no wonder we never got along. You, you know, made me this unattainable goal that my sister would never, ever live up to. So of course we're not going to be close. And so, yeah, you know, sister relationships, I think can either be super special and close or kind of difficult. And again, I love my sister, but we don't, you know, we don't talk a lot. We, if, if one of us is in dire need, yes, we pick up the phone and ask for advice or download, but we're not super close. And that's unfortunately because of my mom and her dynamic. And I think she did that to all of us, sadly.
1: Yeah. So the thing that kind of, Prompted this, like moving on here to now that we're adults and we're all doing our own thing and living in different places. And, you know, there's all these transitions where the first kid moves out and goes on a mission for the church or goes away to college, and you're the dynamic of the household changes. And now we're both at this point in our lives where you have a sibling leaving the country, and I have a sibling in a different state, and we've all just, and I lived away for 10 years. And so, I've been I've spent a lot of of time with my siblings in the past 2 months. Yes, you. Have. <laughs> and that's kind of what has prompted this like what what matters the most to me here? Because I was really isolated those 10 years that I lived in California. I was isolated away from my family. A lot of it I think was because of my spouse and I kind of felt I felt kind, him kind of pull me away from that um and I, that's a whole different dynamic. But I felt like I was very focused on him and his family. Yeah. And my family, I, I just dis—I just distanced myself from them. And not intentionally. And looking back, it was like, how did I get that far away from those relationships? Um. But now, so with my aunt passing away two months ago and us being her only family, we've just... I mean, I've seen my siblings like two or three times a week. Yeah, you've for, yeah. It's kind of finally settled down now and we've kind of closed everything up there. But, but there was a lot of family time, uh, unexpected, intense family time. And it's just caused me to evaluate those relationships that I have with my siblings. And so that's kind of what I where this idea came from. And I listened to another podcast about sibling relationships a couple months ago. And it's just interesting how it, it kind of feels like everyone goes through this like, Oh, when our, you find out your mom's pregnant and I hope it's a baby girl and whatever. And you're so excited for siblings. And then you get to that like middle teenage stuff where you're where still you in each, each other. other's clothes and you <laughs> hate each other and the boys are stinky and I have a crush on my brother's friend. And yeah. so he hates me. And, you know, you go through the, and then you kind of spread your wings and fly a little further from the nest. And then what happens when you're adults and when you have your own families and when kids are married, you know, kids, but not kids, but people are marrying into your family. Yeah. And so so some of the things that I've noticed with my family is that so all three of my brother's. I have one brother who's been married a couple times and, but all three of my brothers are married and, um, I, I would have never picked their wives for, you know, like the, the women they picked for them or for you, for them. Like it surprises me, really? but, but now I, it you makes sense. It? But in the beginning of each marriage, I was like, I would have never thought that that would have been a Isn't that a good match? But then the three girls that married into our family are all so different from each other. And both of the men I married were, you know, it's just like you're one thing that you have to think about when you're working on sibling relationships is that everyone brings something different to the table and every marriage brings something different. And this experience with my aunt, there's been, you know, it was interesting because... You know, there's been some distance with me and my brothers over the years and different ebbs and flows and ones that I'm close with. And then we kind of go months or even years without talking much. And my brother that lives out of state, he flew in when my aunt was sick. And right before she died, she she told him, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. <laughs> but it's kind of." Funny. I was going to
0: say right before she died and then you're giggling. I'm like, wait a minute. No, another. I'm not
1: laughing at that. But... She told him, you and your siblings have got to figure out how to get along. Aww. (laughs) So he took that very seriously and has, you know, he shared that with me and my brothers. and, And it's been in the back of my mind. And, you know, of course, it's like, okay, we'll try. Okay, so how are you trying, though?
0: Like, what are you doing?
1: Okay, well like singing Kumbaya and having group hugs. Yeah. We have rituals. We do rain dances. We burn sage together. Yeah. There you go. Get rid of bad juju. I mean, I can only control me, right? Amen. So if that's the one takeaway from today, you can only control yourself. I've done a lot of self-evaluation. I've looked at each of my brothers. I've looked at each of their marriages because my, I have one brother who um, has been the executor over, my aunt's estate and it's been really overwhelming for him. Oh, I bet. And we've had a couple run-ins with each other and we've talked through things and trying to be a support and, and his wife, his wife and I don't get along great. I love her. You're just not best. Yeah. And so there's been some stuff there. And so I've just, I've really tried to stay in a place of compassion with each of the, each of the relationships. My brother that's out of state, his wife is great. They've had a hard time being far away and not being able to help with the estate sale and clean up and everything. And and then my youngest brother, who I'm the closest with, he has cancer. He got diagnosed with cancer a couple of days after my aunt passed away. And so I've never, I haven't shared that on here or anywhere publicly really, but that's been an added thing for, for their little family. And
0: Well, and your Family as yeah. a whole, right? I mean, that's a big thing.
1: Yeah, it is. It's been it's been a tough couple months for sure. But but one of the things that I realized as I've thought about the in law kids who have been involved with handling my aunt's stuff is that all three of my brothers have in law families that are big families, big yeah. personalities, a lot of kids, a lot of people married in, a lot of nieces and nephews. And I, both of the men I married, each only had one younger sister. And when I was married to these men, the sisters were not married. Yeah, so it's an easier dynamic in a way. So I've never had brothers or sister-in-laws on an in-law side of the family. I've been the only one. And... So I don't know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to be the kid who marries into a family that already has all these other sibling-in-laws yeah. yeah. and stuff. And there's a dog running through. There's it's a fine. dog We're running going through. With... She went upstairs. <laughs> so I don't know what that's like. I've been the one to go into a new well, family and, and make each waves.
0: individual family... They each have their own dynamic and it's like, it's like diluting the water, right? Mm -hmm. It's like all these different people are bringing more dynamics and more dynamics and that in-law might not get in along with that one. And uh, it's a
1: lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And so I think the, the biggest thing for me that I've realized is that I really, I really have to believe that we all love each other and I, and I have to believe that nobody has, ill will for each other. Nobody wants anyone to be left out or to suffer. Um, But we all bring different life experiences. Um, You know, we're all the in-law kids who married in were raised completely different than me and my brothers were raised. Me and my brothers have different experiences from our childhood. And From the exact same house, right? I know. That's the thing. And that's the thing that I think so many people have a hard time wrapping their head around when they have an adult relationship with a sibling and that sibling has gone a completely different way. And like I was telling Lori last night, just as we were kind of talking about this subject, like people grow up and it's like, well, this person doesn't believe in God anymore. And this person's a lesbian and this person's an addict. And, and there are those siblings that have kind of stayed the path of the family or yes. the way that the parents want them to the dogs back, dogs, dogs back, dogs back. There's the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> the way the parents want them to be. And it can be like, how, how did we all end up so different? We were raised in the same right. home with yep. the same parents, with the same rules. And I think something that's so important to really be aware of is that, Our childhood home and parents can be exactly the same, but our experiences can be completely different. Yeah,
0: everybody has a different role in the family. Mm -hmm. If you really start to dissect it, that's something that helped my kids through our divorce at first. Mm -hmm. The therapist came in and he laid down all of these labels and asked my kids, in your family, who are you?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And like, my oldest son picked up golden child. My oldest daughter picked up golden child. Because they're expected to be, you know, on top of things and, and, and I don't remember, sadly, what my youngest um, picked up. Um, She's my most easygoing, but then my second son picked up Mr. Invisible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And just that, I mean, that would be interesting to do with a family. Like, what do you think your role is? And lay down mm-hmm. all these adjectives because everybody does. You fall in line to your different dynamics. Yeah. And that's what starts to develop. You, you know, you see, well, Jimmy always gets X, Y, and Z and he gets to stay up late and he's spoiled. And then you're over here resentful.
1: And yeah, you know,
0: there's just so many different dynamics to it.
1: Yeah. And you know, so, so my older brother, He, he's only a year older than me, but he's the only kid in my family that's ever been an only child. He's the only kid that's ever had a hundred percent of the focus of my parents for a time. I'm the only girl, so I was kind of like, oh, the, the token daughter, The you know, so I got different attention from my parents because I was the only girl. Yeah. My brother, just younger than me, he's kind of assumed the role of the middle child, even though technically I'm a middle child as well. Yeah. But there's a there's an oldest, there's an only, and there's a youngest in my family, and then there's the middle child. And so he's kind And he's has the typical middle child stuff where yep. it's like, where, where is my important part in this family? And, you know, and he's had his struggles and I don't know if he would identify it as, Oh, it's because I'm the middle child, but I see it as that. Cause I've studied, you know, birth order and, and then my youngest brother who has cancer right now, he also at a very young age was diagnosed with type one diabetes, mm. which was very overwhelming and scary. And so that's a lot he needed a he needed all of the p- attention from the parents for yeah. for a big season of our lives where the focus was on his health and so just that alone you know with those different things that I've said you have to believe that the experiences growing up are going to be different. Like I'm the only person I've shared on here that I've always had struggles with my dad and we've had highs and lows and really, really low lows and seasons of, you know, years of not speaking. I'm the only person on this planet that knows what it's like to be my dad's daughter. Right. No one else can understand that. My brothers can't understand it. My mom can't understand it. You can't understand. Like... No one can understand what it's like to be my dad's daughter, except for me. And, and I think we, we have experiences in childhood that become core memories that kind of, you know, and they can be traumatic core memories. And we kind of lock those in as reality. And, in order to unlock those and kind of rewire our brain as adults and say like, yeah, we were raised in the same home, but we have to acknowledge that our experiences were different. We have to be able to find the key to get back to that locked traumatic memory to say, I believe you. I believe that your experience was different. I believe that you struggled with dad. I believe that you were sick as a child and needed a lot of attention. You didn't demand the attention, but you got the attention because you had diabetes. You know, there might be some jealousy issues with the attention that my youngest brother got because he was the youngest. And because he was sick that as a child, I couldn't identify it as that. But then as an adult, I could be like, Oh, he was the youngest. He was spoiled. He was, you know, but I don't really believe that. I look at my brother. Now, and I'm like, he's strong, he's brave, he's had more health issues than anyone. Right. He's resilient, he's positive. I don't say, like, oh, he got all mom and dad's attention. So, and now he has cancer. So, huh. You know, never, never would have thought like that enter, but there could be some childhood core memory where I was like, I need a little attention. Yeah. But he gets it all now. And, you have to, there has to be awarenesses of that kind of thing happening to understand each other as adults. And I think that's a big, I think we, that's a big block for people.
0: I do too. And, and it's bringing up a question for me to ask and you may not have an answer yet or be able to even put a finger on what it is. But so I think about my sibling dynamics and my brother and I, we're the middle kids and then I have an oldest brother and a youngest sister, Mm -hmm. but I'm the oldest daughter. Right. So it's a little different, you know, but, um, my old, my brother closest to me were two years apart. We're close, but my other two siblings were not as close to them. Mm -hmm. And I look at you and you're saying how, you know, we went years and didn't talk and yes, sadly death and marriages usually bring a family together. Right. Those are the two things. And, um, what would you say you attribute to working through some things? Is it because you've done some work and you have figured out how to express things? Is it because both parties can be vulnerable? So, cause, and the reason why I'm asking is how can people who are listening right now, how can they say, I still love my sibling? Cause granted, this doesn't have, like if you have a bad experience and you need to be separate from your from your siblings or, you know, whatever, we're not saying you need to repair that. But if you're like, I really do want to repair it. How do you move towards reconciliation or working through that? How did you guys get to the place that you are with all of your different experiences and broken, you know, um, family dynamics a little bit. And now that
1: you can all talk and try hard again. And you may Um, not have an answer. Um, I think the, the number one thing that I would say that just speaking for myself is is that I've stayed out of, I've tried to stay out of judgment and in a place of compassion. And then also just patience, just knowing that, that it takes time. It takes time to to rebuild. I mean, even my youngest brother, who I have always said that I'm the closest with, he and I probably eight or 10 months ago had some... disagree not disagreements like a fight but we both made decisions about our relationship with our dad individually that were not the same and we'd aligned for a long time so we could kind of commiserate and we really felt understood by each other and then there was a shift in that relationship with our dad for each of us individually and that kind of distanced he and I a little bit yeah but but in my mind I was like this is just where it's at right now He knows I love him. I know he loves me, but I, I just don't know how to talk about it yet. And, and then when my aunt died, he and I, I mean, I've just had some really interesting conversations with each of my brothers over the past couple months and he and I were able to talk and, and there were some misunderstandings that I, that I, in that conversation, I could see like, oh my gosh, we should have done this. Six months ago. Right. Because that was so easy. And it was like, oh, I didn't didn't know that's why that was. I didn't know you felt that way. Like, I understand that about dad now or about your kids now. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Sorry. I love you. You know? Yeah. But but I also think it made more sense because we'd gone six months with kind of leaving that on the table. But not front and center. Right. And, you know, my brother that lives out of state... He's really, really good friends with the father of my children. Uh, He knew him before I did, and and there's been some stuff there that we just can't go to yet because I have some really, really strict boundaries surrounding my ex, and for my own protection. Yeah. And my brother does not understand those.
0: Yeah. But you know what? Nor would he. He doesn't have to. Dynamic. Right.
1: And we just can't talk about it. Right. And. You know, and, and it, it's hard. There's part of me that's like, choose me, like, just show me a little bit of support here. But then, but then I think, but he's really good friends with him. And And I don't understand the friendship, just like he didn't understand the marriage. Right. And so I have to respect the decisions he's making. He has to respect the decisions I'm making. And if we don't respect that, then that's where the firm boundary comes in. And I think that the thing that I've had to learn about boundaries is I can't set a boundary with that brother that that my expectation is that he's going to change. If, if you set a boundary, Never, that's believing that someone's going to change, that's not a boundary. That's manipulation. Bingo. My boundary has to be to protect me. Yep. He can do whatever he wants. He can have that relationship with my ex. He can be confused about why I left. He can be mad. He can, but I can have that boundary for me. Yep. And I would say in my family, understanding boundaries has probably been one of the hardest things for my siblings and their spouses who have not been in counseling. (laughs) But I
0: love that you're in what's the word employing them, that you're putting them in place, that you have a dialogue about it, that you both can say, look, we're just going to agree to not discuss this right now or... You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. on the flip side... And this is why I ask, On the flip side, there's my family. With a narcissistic mother. A dad who she tried to turn us against. not Maybe not turn us against, but like disconnect us from. An older brother who would like slug us and beat us up. The two middle kids who are always just trying to get along and make everyone be happy. The younger sister who from our point of view got everything she wanted. Manipulated everybody. And so we just don't talk about things. Mm -hmm. We just, it's like this very superficial kind of family dynamic where, yes, if mom and dad need help, we all rally around it or, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, it's not the same. So for me to sit and watch it, it's so interesting because I'm observing working through things or at least acknowledgement, but not touching them right now. Whereas Mm -hmm. at our house, it was, it, it it was survival of the fittest. Our parents would always leave. They'd go to the bars and go, you know, bowling. We'd be with my brother who would hit us or slug us or make us wrestle with him. And it was this very kind of like, but then we'd go camping and be best of friends. Mm -hmm. And so it was this very kind of fake world in a way. And, and now we're older and we try harder and my brothers and my sister come over for a barbecue once in a while. And. But again, it's because we have that love, but it's nothing deeper connected so that's why I asked that question it's so interesting to me
1: yeah it all it's all so fascinating and I think that's something that's helped me to not get frustrated when my brother's wife you know sends me a text about all of her feelings and I don't I don't take it personally because I know she's coming from a place of being raised in a completely different family where her family handles conflict differently and she desires our family to look different but we just can't be what she wants us to be and I have to just take it for what it is that's so key though and that's
0: something I want to point out yeah people can't take it personally Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of us do yeah and that's a gift that you either learned or or figured out is that, wait a minute, she does, you can see her side. So that's a great takeaway is she's just different and that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And she adds a lot of value to our family as well. Yeah. Because she brings in a totally different dynamic. Yeah. Right. And it's stuff that we would have never experienced had she not been in it and yep. she's fun and energetic and, you know, and I can say that about all of my sister-in-laws and, you know, and I, had a interesting conversation with my brother who lives out of state. His wife, they were here for Thanksgiving, and my brother and both of their kids got really sick. So she came to Thanksgiving alone, and she hadn't. She and I hadn't really had a one on one for a couple of years, and we ended up sitting and talking for a couple of hours at Thanksgiving, and and talking about the distance that we felt with each other, and and I think that's been. Something that I don't want to forget is the conversation that I had with her, the conversation I had with my youngest brother about our little six-month distance is that when we've come back together and talked, I found myself saying that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. We never stopped loving each other. Yeah, We misunderstood each other, and that was such a great reconnection. Like, I want to remember what it feels like to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were mad because... My brother said this and I thought you were mad because of my conversation with dad. And I thought you probably thought I was mad because, you know, just communicating, sitting in the messy See, with your family and having those hard conversations. I would love to do that. Right. It's been I don't, really cool for me.
0: I think it is possible for so many people. I don't know necessarily if there was a narcissistic parent that may bleed into other parts of the family or the or the siblings. Yeah. But I love to hear that, that if both of the siblings or all can come to the table, being very vulnerable, apologetic, taking accountability, all of the things that you really can create, you know, a cohesive environment where you can be respectfully different, have your own opinions, but still love each other. And I think, again, that's another core key takeaway is if you can be accountable for it and own your part in whatever it was and self reflect and go, you know, maybe I did kind of overreact over his comment at that party or whatever it be Mm -hmm. that you can really keep that dynamic strong because when you're dealing with people who maybe aren't mentally, um, capable of that. And I say that nicely, you know, because I do have compassion and and me being married to a narcissist, I watch my kids and you know, um and the way they act and we all have narcissism in us, obviously. We all have what about me syndrome and that's definitely the human way, but if you can repair those human relationships beyond your childhood or the issues you have now, it's beautiful. And I think it's so amazing to watch as you guys have buried your aunt and, you know, your parents have been involved and you all have just rallied around her that you can come to the common place to where you connect and do what's best for the family. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I you know, I think this is going back a little bit to childhood and maybe this will just help our listeners to kind of really think back to what it was like to be a child with your siblings because I felt like my childhood growing up was, didn't feel like a super safe, happy home all the time. Yeah. We kind of, you know, the only thing I remember as far as extracurricular at at a young age is that we all four did AYSO soccer. Yeah. That was the big, that was what you did. And then we all were forced to take piano lessons at age eight and we were finally allowed to quit at age 16. How
0: did I not know you played the piano? I mean, I I know you have a piano.
1: I don't really. I mean, I dabble. Yeah. I dabble. But that was it. It was like AYSO and forced piano lessons. And so when I had kids, I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. We'll like pick a family sport. We'll pick a family instrument and everyone will have their lessons. And, yeah, no. <laughs> and it's not. My my oldest, who's the only boy, He he's done basketball and soccer and taekwondo. And he just hasn't found his thing yet. Yep. And he loves riding his bike. He loves exercising alone he loves going on a walk alone riding his bike alone he does yeah. that's awesome mm-hmm. and he doesn't have a thing right now and it's okay he's yeah. almost 13 i've al- i always thought my kids will be in something and i do feel like he needs i'm hoping something will click soon but i just want him to figure it out i'm not forcing anything my middle child she is soccer 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 she wants all of the soccer and not much else interests her. She was in the school musical this year and it was okay and whatever, but she's soccer. My youngest is like a wants to do everything. And mostly, I mean, she, she's going to start an art class. She's in piano lessons. She sings in a choir in Salt Lake. She, she, she's learning how to crochet. She just can pick up things so naturally and she wants to be involved in everything. And so when I look at what my kids are going to say when they're adults You know, is is it gonna be like? Oh, is my son's memory gonna be? Oh, mom didn't really get us in anything. She just was like, we just could try whatever. Mm -hmm. My youngest is gonna be like, I had four lessons a day for every thing through childhood and sports and music and art and. And I loved it and I learned, you know, my kids' childhood memories are going to be so different they from are. from each other. And then they'll make fun of you when they're old, so just get rid I know. That's what we do. I know, and then I'll pay for therapy and they'll be fine. Right? No, make them pay <laughs> for therapy.
0: That'll be good. But
1: the, it's just little things like that where we can't say, well, you're raised in the same house by the same parents, so why did we all yeah. end up so Everybody's different? Everybody's experience is so different. And our kids need different things from us at different times. You've talked a lot about your son where your energy drink morning dates were such a huge thing and your other I your kids were all at my house a couple weeks ago and just listening to them as adults say well you always took him to go get monsters on the way to school and the other three never experienced that because they didn't need it you saw a need in him and you met that need yeah we we have to realize that all of our kid, we can't just if our kids were all the same straight out of the chute motherhood would be so easy yeah but figuring out what each kid needs and realizing that their memories are going to be so different from each other's and we have to acknowledge that yeah I could sit in a room with my brothers and we could all share our childhood experiences and they would be so different there would be jaw-dropping things that I would say About my childhood memories. That my brothers would be like. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. No really. It happens. And when I was in treatment in Tennessee. I. My therapist caught me constantly. When she would have me talk about my childhood. I would say. But if my brother was here. He would not even. Say he wouldn't even remember that, and I it was like I was you were apologizing for my experience. Yeah. And my therapist was like, Your brother's not here, tell your story. Yeah, your dad's not here, tell your story. Yeah,
0: you're invalidating your story because yeah. it's like maybe I saw it wrong, maybe mm-hmm. this is my fault that I see it this way. Yeah, that's what you're indirectly
1: doing. And I think being able to look back and say, I believe my brother, yeah. I believe my youngest brother who was sick. That he didn't want all the attention. He just got all the attention. I believe my brother, who was the oldest, who became the guinea pig, who experienced the most discipline and abuse, I believe that his experience was really, really hard for him. Like, I believe that the middle brother, who never really found his place and had a really tight connection with my mom, I believe that he was kind of lost for a lot of years. Like, whatever. And I don't... I'm not this isn't true like I it's my perception but whatever they say I want to believe them yeah like why do we why do we have to prove why do we have this expectation like no prove it prove it that it was hard prove it that you struggled prove just why can't we just believe people when they tell us their story and yeah, I don't know
0: actually that's a very good you know I think because we just expect everyone to see it the way we did the way mm-hmm. we saw it it's like no that's not you know, yeah. it's like the telephone game though, right? I mean, somebody can start something and go one way and go the next and you're going to get two different answers at the end. Yeah. It's just, that's the way it is. And <clears throat> you know, my sister, whenever we get together because she lives out of is I was like, you guys were so mean to me. You made me eat with a small fork. You made me eat like she has very vivid mm-hmm. and they're tiny little, in my mind, dinky little things that. You know, if there were three big forks and a small fork, she's the youngest. You get the small fork. Mm-hmm. But she saw it as this punishment. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's the dynamic mm-hmm. of birth order and all of that is fascinating because it's very true how different stories are told mm-hmm. and made and created and the dynamic it creates between siblings. And, and then even with parents, I watch my mother treat my oldest brother completely different. Mm-hmm than the rest of us or even I watch the way my mother treats my children because I'm a girl completely different than my brother's children because he's a boy and yeah Yeah. it's crazy that
1: just remind we got to wrap up here but that just reminded me of a story that I want to tell really quick and then we'll wrap up so when I was in school I was in clinics and I I had a lot of new clients that I just did to get clinic hours. And I had these two brothers that I met with for probably about two months every week for two months. Yeah. And I would meet with them back to back at the time they were 16 and That's 18. That's interesting, I bet. That was tough. It was tough to like remember like, which separate. one yeah. had had this experience with dad and which one was this. But one, one day, and they didn't listen to each other's sessions sure. with me. Yeah. One day... One of the brothers had had a horrible accident in his early teens, and he was in a wheelchair for several months. Oh. He's f- fully recovered now, but he was in rehab, physical therapy. And um, the, older, the older brother who... So it was the younger one that had had the accident. He was talking about his younger brother, and he's like, I just remember after his accident, it was just always like, no matter what we were doing, if he needed a drink of water... We had to get his cup, go to the fridge thing, get ice and water. He's like, I just felt like he always needed water. And we had to drop what we were doing to get our little brother water. And he could reach the thing in his wheelchair. But for some reason, no matter what was (laughs) going on, I had to get him water the next hour. I'm with the 16-year-old. He literally tells the exact same experience. He goes, one of the hardest things for me was getting up to the fridge in my wheelchair and getting water. So my parents just had my older brother get my water and he's like, I could tell he was always so annoyed and he just never understood that it was actually really hard for me to get the water. And it was just like, I didn't want to be like your brother told me the same story. Yeah. But you do need to talk, but their experiences, it was such a simple thing. But one of them was like, Oh, what a baby get your own water. And the other one was like, it was so hard for me to get to the water. And it's like, We have to believe those stories. I believe both of those boys and they had completely different experiences with it. And I think we could go on and on for hours with our own siblings about that. And just so many, so many things. But yeah, I think my wrap up from this and, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm, I'm a big personality in my family. I've,
0: I've I've
1: chummed the waters a little bit on purpose (laughs) in my family. And I've had, there's been messages in the family chat where I'm like, I should shut up, but I'm going to clear my schedule and I am in the family chat today. Like, I admit it. I've done oh my it. Gosh, that's good. But staying in a place for me right now, the biggest takeaway I would say to help listeners who want relationships with siblings or just want to understand is patience, communication, and compassion. And if you can remember those three things and not taking it personally, Yep. When somebody's projecting and just really wanting to be understood and no, my dad was this way to me or mom never did this for, like try to understand and not say, Well, they got treated that way because they think I got treated this way. Just right. let it be their experience.
0: Yep. And, and believe it. And them. listen and believe it. Yeah. Yep. I agree. That's a great takeaway. Great so takeaway. So anyway,
1: go right. hug your hug, hug your, your siblings, siblings. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> yeah, or or, or don't. set boundaries, whatever yep. you need boundaries to do. Boundaries are good too. All right, until next time. Thanks
0: for being here. Bye.